So maybe you're a crazy person like me who has over 400 Marines and you want to name them all. Or maybe you love creating new characters for D&D. Or maybe you just really like learning the meaning and origins behind some of your favorite nerdy character names from pop culture. Well then, it sounds like you need Naming Your Little Geek by Scott Root. This is an incredibly fun and easy read. It taught me not only is Ulrich the name of a war god, but also a Sith master. It also comes with one more added benefit. It's a great resource for naming your babies. Follow the link in the description below and pick up your copy of Naming Your Little Geek today. Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Axel Wright, and with me as always is... Lord Commander Ulrich. How are you doing today? I'm thinking I have got to come up with some interesting accent, affect, whatnot, it to go with your Walter Cronkite. It is an affect. It's not really an accent. It's just like a... I want to practice it because I can feel like... I don't know. Maybe I need to make a D&D character that does that so I can just have an excuse to do it more often. It's fun, though. The only, so the only one that's in my pet project list is to do a Kennedy, but that means talking to Chris for hours on end and having Coach Coach me to go, no, no, harder are the R's. Bury those R's. You don't use R's. Well, dude, I, it's, that, first of all, that's called a non-rotic accent, and accent dialect coaches will tell you that trying to do Kennedy is a no-win situation. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So I don't care. I just want that in my lexicon. That's fair. I mean, it's a fun accent to do. I'm just saying that uh, th- there's no real getting Kennedy right. <laughs> Not unless you're, like, you know, from Boston. Then you just kind of naturally slip into it. Fair. All right, before we get into our topic, I've got a list of amazing people who are our patrons, who actually give us money every month to do what we do, which boggles my mind in the, the most positive way. And the the very least, the minimum we can do and that, to, to pay them back for this awesome is to say their names out loud. And as you can see, the, the, the awesomeness is actually making my brain slow and I can't get my words out. But, at the very least, I'll get their names out, and they are Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brennan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Donald Lucy, Patrick Anderson, Carson Amell, Scott Rubin, Derek Takate, and Peter Cook, which I couldn't do in all one breath. Anyway, if you'd like to become part of that illustrious legion, you can head on over to our Patreon, Patreon slash Geeks with Shields, a dollar a month, it's like 25 cents an episode because we put out four or more things a month, and it goes a long way towards helping us grow. Anyway, Ulrich, tell the lovely illustrious Legion what we're talking about. Uh, this is basically an Axel and Ulrich yell at the internet episode. Yes, for the record, I already know. We talked about it beforehand. And essentially, while I am on Twitter, I'm not on Twitter as much as Ulrich, and Ulrich has, both on our Twitter and our Discord, seen this thing come up a few times. And it's so, on YouTube. It's on everything. <laughs> yeah, so while we think the answer to this is actually very easy, and if you've already read the episode, you know what it is, we do think it was important to just get our stance out, even if this is short. <laughs> and that is, simply put, the current state of the MCU. There seems to be an idea online and in some media outlets and on Twitter and whatnot that Phase 4 was a flop and that the Marvel machine is in trouble. And I'm going to tell you right now, no. No, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's not a leg to stand on. Now this, I I have theories of where this is coming from. Well, and it is fun to record this after Comic Con when they said we've got the next five six years planned out with so much content, we we are going to own the world. Here's one and thing too. Went, oh my god, yes. Here's one thing too, and people who have researched the history of comic books, even if they didn't read them, like me. Like, I'm not actually a big comic book person, but I've 
read about a lot of the history of comics and the industry and certain stories and whatnot. And there's a thing that the MCU has hit right now that is perfectly normal in the world of comics, which is after the Infinity Saga ended, Marvel has basically hit what I'm going to call the cruise, where now the movies don't have to build to anything. Now, again, the, the secret sauce of the MCU always was that they weren't actually really building things yep. in the first place. They were just doing things retroactively, and that's why they just focused on making good movies in the first place. But at least there was always that, like, feeling of building to Thanos. And after that, now they just don't bother with that, which is fine. I mean, there are some aspects of that, like we're kind of building to Kang and Celestial stuff and probably Young Avengers. But again, that's multiple... Yeah, and Thunderbolts, but that's multiple ideas because right now the MCU's in this place where it doesn't really need to build to big, all-encompassing events like the Avengers originally was. It just needs to make content and do it competently. Sometimes it's amazing, sometimes it's not. Most of the time it's above-average entertainment, and that's all they need because, again, other secret... Disney doesn't actually care that much if the movies make money, because that's not where Disney gets most of its money. So as long as they do all right, and they can basically see which characters are popular, that's what they care about. Yeah, no, it's it's gravy. I mean, they are making money off the merchandise, and off the parks, and off staying in the public eye. Yeah. So love the movies, hate the movies, they still win. Yeah, like, let's take, let's take a basic example here. I haven't finished Miss Marvel. I like the three episodes I've seen so far, but... I don't know how well it did. I, I'm, I'm not going to... I haven't looked up statistics. Even if it didn't do very well, if Miss Marvel herself sells well, or, you know, they focus group that she's interesting, or her toys sell, and then they bring her into parks, and then she's a reason to draw people to the parks and more of her merch sells, then the show did its job as far as the Disney conglomerate is concerned. Yes, if the show... Here is what we know about Miss Marvel and its importance. We know that it didn't get the same ratings as some other Marvel shows, and probably a lot of that has to do with they buried it under Kenobi. We know that it was critically lauded, and more importantly, the demographic they were going for loves it. Yeah, and that's another thing, too. They want to capture a bunch of demographics. So if a certain property that they release is does really well with their target demographic and not very well elsewhere so that the overall... uh, appearance is that it didn't do well it still succeeded as far as the accounting is concerned in disney's books because again this is a capitalist enterprise (laughs) yeah so let's kind of break down the major points of why marvel is fine point the first the movies are still making money they are making ungodly amounts of money even the ones you don't like like the eternals and thor got love and thunder yeah, loads of money. Exactly. Ulrich and I both did a review about how we both thought that Love and Thunder was okay. We both gave it a 7 out of 10. Not bad, but not particularly great. It still was like the number one movie for like it four weekends. It made more money than Ragnarok without China and Russia. Yeah. So even though... It fucking... so It made so much money. Yeah, exactly. So even though I personally didn't care for it, it made a lot of money. So... <laughs> so let's look at the other thing. Well, have critics turned on it? No. The only one critics kind of turned on was the Eternals. And even then, when you start digging into that one, you're like, did they really turn on it? Or was that just everyone not understanding how Rotten Tomatoes work? Yeah. And again, that's another thing about Rotten... Okay, so Rotten Tomatoes is the marker by which these conversations are usually 
given, and Rotten Tomatoes has problems for a number of reasons, but one aspect of that is that that number, right, that you give on Rotten Tomatoes is always based on a certain number of specific reviewers, and it's usually not even that many. The most highly reviewed movie on the entire site is Paddington 2 with like 200 reviews. Yeah, and let's talk about the third thing. Well, the Marvel the Disney Plus shows have kind of been scattershot. Yeah, they have been, but you know what's up? Disney Plus subscriptions. Yeah. They're eating everyone's lunch. So in no quantifiable way is the MCU not working, is phase four not working, is anything. What I think is happening is there's a couple different fronts. I think the first front is, and we saw this, you and I both, post-Avengers, everyone like, well, I got to my payoff and I would like to get off this ride now. Wait, why isn't everyone getting off with me? Yeah, which again is fine. I'm, I don't care. Like if someone I else don't says... blame you, but when you try and make it, everyone else should be in the same place. Because you and I remember, after Avengers, everyone's like, well, why do they need to do anything more? They built to the Avengers. Yeah, and then... That was a the rest... whole thing. <laughs> yeah, then they had the rest of the Infinity Saga, and I love most of it. And, you know, yeah. again, I have some problems with Phase 4. Oddly, example, Ulrich, last I checked, his top movie in Phase 4 is Black Widow, which is my least favorite movie in Phase 4, just because I, I didn't find it very interesting. But... Am I glad it exists? Yeah, because Scarlett Johansson is good as in the character. And I thought Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was great. I thought WandaVision was legitimately amazing, even compared to, like, movies and stuff. So Yeah, no, WandaVision's right up there. I still love Moon Knight, even though people seem... I can't tell what people thought of Moon Knight. I think people were mostly confused by Moon Knight. I, okay. Which is a given. My understanding of the internet's reaction to Moon Knight is that Oscar Isaac got tons of love, particularly Steven and his goofiness, and that's about it. I mean, there was that week where everyone really liked uh, Ahmet, but for the most part, the lasting impression on Moon Knight seems to be Oscar Isaac is amazing. And you know what? It feels like that's what the show was mostly going for, so... Yeah, no, if that's your takeaway, that's great. So, yeah, no, I get that. Uh, but no, it feels very much like there is this collective will towards I'm personally not interested post-Infinity War. Why isn't everyone else done with it? And it's kind of trying to drag everyone else with them. It's like, no, I'm still enjoying this. You can be done with it, but please don't try and make your personal thing into this larger issue, you know? And also, it, the numbers aren't there. Yeah. And also, as we've seen, as long as their batting average is still high enough, even from just a quality standpoint, nothing is in any danger. Like, related, look at Star Wars. It's pretty much universally agreed at this point that Rise of Skywalker was a misfire. Like, there was the debate about Last Jedi, literally the first podcast episode we ever did, but Rise of Skywalker was pretty much disliked by everyone on both sides of the Last Jedi discussion. But then, boom, Mandalorian came out. Mandalorian was great. Book of Boba Fett came out, and it was pretty bad. And Obi-Wan came out, and it was bad and good, because the ending is amazing. And people are still showing up to Star Wars, people are still buying Star Wars games, merch, and you know, all that stuff. So again, if you look at the accounting of how these franchises actually live, then just having some bad things or less interesting things, even some outright bad things, is not actually detrimental to these franchises' lives. It's not. I mean, I would say that Warner Brothers survived Snyder, but considering they're on their second merger buyout, they didn't. Yeah, but that wasn't just... But that's not on them. That's on a raft of other issues internally. Yeah, but they also weren't batting above average. Like, that's what I'm saying is that Marvel... Marvel. Like, the MCU is still batting above average in general. 
Like maybe yeah. not maybe not super high like they were in other phases, but they're still solid, enjoyable movies. Literally they're making the, more money than they're making money during a pandemic. Yeah, literally the Shang-Chi thr- cracked a billion when we were all still admitting that the pandemic was a very real threat. Yeah, and the criticism that I hear most often associated with the MCU from critics that I respect online is that they feel very samey. And I get that, and that's why it's interesting when something like Shang-Chi or Doctor Strange 2 come out, and while they have those Marvelisms, they feel like they're pressing at the boundaries of it, you know? So it's like, I don't be gr- I don't think that these people are wrong when they say that, but at the same time, okay, they're still solid, enjoyable, even if they're not these amazing, you know, pieces. Like, there are other movies that... My favorite movie of the year so far is Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is basically Doctor Strange 2, but way, way better, and I still think more people need to see it. Does that mean that Doctor Strange 2 was not a solid, enjoyable movie? No, it was. So, and it made money. What, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, so there's that whole factor. The other prong is I think people got way too attached to we're building to the Infinity Gauntlet, we're building to Thanos, and being told directly where they were going. Well, that's what I mean when I say that now Marvel's in that cruise where they don't need to I don't even know if it's in cruise. Like, think back to phase one. We're building towards the Avengers, kind of, but that was just little end credits. And the same thing with the Infinity Stones. Like, we're we really building to collecting the infinity stones in phase two, which ended up being Ultron. Yeah. Well, like, we well, like Ultron in phase two. Really? Well, well, like I said earlier and, and you time chimed in a bit, the secret of the infinity saga is that they did all that continuity stuff retroactively. You can tell that they weren't yeah. getting, yeah, they weren't tripping over themselves to make things work for future movies. They were doing, they were, they were like, let's make a good movie now and we'll figure out how it ties in later, but we'll just put in a little things that either they'll be important or they won't. The best, literally the best example of that is the Infinity Gauntlet showing up in Odin's vault, where they were like, all right, we'll place this here, and maybe we'll use it later. But then they decided not to, so then, oh, it's fake, and it makes for a little joke in Ragnarok. So. And now Marvel came out and said, fine, it's called the Multiverse Saga, and everyone like, ah, oh, fine, I know what I'm looking to now. And it's like, they have been telling you all these big keystones forever in this phase, the Thunderbolts were not a secret. The Young Avengers were not a secret. The multiverse was not a secret. Yeah, but I think that, for me, it's that I don't need them to be building to anything. I literally... Yeah, like, no, that's why it's its own... It's, it's a weird thing that people are weirdly attached to. Well, they've always told us. No, they haven't. Yeah. Like, they got to the end and they went, oh, maybe this is what we should do. Yeah, look at, look at things like Moon Knight. Moon Knight didn't have any, like, solid MCU connection at all, and it was still you know, very solid and very enjoyable. Or compare that to Hawkeye, which was a fun show. It, you know, not I didn't love it, but it was fun. I thought the actress playing Kate Bishop is really cool. And then, hey, we brought in Kingpin to give us a little more connection to what eventually is going to be Daredevil stuff. That's cool. Vincent D'Onofrio is awesome as Kingpin, but mostly it was just, is this an enjoyable show? I don't need it to connect to anything else. It was kind of cool to see Kingpin show. It was actually very cool to see Vincent D'Onofrio Kingpin show up, but I didn't need that, you know? And then the last point, and this one's kind of been brought up by Movie Bob, and I like this one because I've kind of started to recognize it in the MCU is moving on to the next age bracket, and our generation isn't ready for that. Oh, as in it is focusing more on people who are kids now? Yes, this is aiming towards the Gen Z crowd, so they're interested in younger heroes. They're telling stories that are more interesting to them, and our generation is not ready to go wait, no, you're only supposed to do heroes that I grew up reading. Who are these new kids? I don't like this. 
Yeah. I, you know what? I, I, I understand that. And But again, for me, I talked about this before in several other recordings. I like stories that are not my life because I like being exposed to things that my own personal experience has not exposed me to. It's important to the growth of my empathy and my understanding of the world. And it's interesting because I haven't experienced it. So seeing stories about characters like Kamala Khan, whose personal experience bears very little resemblance to mine, is cool, is interesting. I like characters like that. And if you're sitting there like, I only want characters that I relate to, I feel like you're just... You're just walling yourself off from an infinite well of interesting stories. <laughs> Getting old sucks. No longer being the cultural center sucks. I had that conclusion watching Miss Marvel going, huh, I'm not the target demographic for this. It's good, but I recognize I'm the target demographic for it. But it's okay, because I just had Moon Knight. Yeah. So, anyway, so, yeah. like I said, the answer to the question, is the MCU in trouble? No. It's definitely not in trouble. The MCU is doing fine. And and again, for me, one of the key points is, even if the MCU weren't doing fine, it would still be in no danger because of how Disney actually makes their money. So, yeah. Yeah, and last things last, I went, while we're doing wrap-ups, everyone commenting on the fact that the Eternals don't matter to the MCU because no MCU movie has referenced the giant gold Eternal in the middle of the ocean. They don't mention any shit outside of the movies or end credit scenes because that way they can plug and play them wherever they need to plug and play them. Yeah, that's actually probably a big part of the reason why things like Moon Knight didn't reference anyone. Like, that way, if they want to keep Moon Knight completely separate, they can. If they want to bring him in, they also can. And the argument could just be, we just weren't talking about anything before. Because, guess what? Movies aren't... Anytime you see a movie, the world the movie shows is just that, the world the movie is showing. It can cut out whatever pieces are not necessary to the movie and then later on be like, yeah, that was there, it just wasn't relevant to what you were watching. Good God, can you imagine if they did have the rigid formula before the pandemic shook everything up? Uh, well, that would be basically what they try to do with the Snyderverse. So. I know. I'm just saying is, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home would have came out before the Eternals and it would have been, wow, did you see that giant god in the middle of the ocean? And everyone was like, what are they talking about? Yeah. 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 No, these movies work because they have continuity in quotation marks. Yeah, they're flexible because they, they – I'm stealing this from another content creator. I think it was Bob, but I think Stuckman might have mentioned this too, that – they are concerned, and it wasn't Stuckman, no, but someone else as well. But anyway, they are concerned first and foremost with character movies. They're because, again, they want to sell those characters and the merchandise of those characters. So that is the priority: is have a good actor who's charismatic and interesting, play an interesting role, make the character enjoyable. Sometimes we get a good story. Most of the time we get a good story. Sometimes not. But the still, even even in Thor: Love and Thunder, which me and Ulrich both said we don't care for, and even though I have problems with Thor being too dumb, Chris Hemsworth is still great as Thor and enjoyable. And that's feels like that's really the goal of that movie. That and to make Korg enjoyable and to make even Zeus interesting. Like so they can probably sell merchandise of that. Like anyway, I can keep going on that tangent forever. <laughs> Yeah, but I think that kind of covers our thoughts on the is the MCU done? And now we have a handy dandy uh, link to send anytime someone asks us, "Hey, do you guys think the MCU is in trouble?" Here you go. Let me. I'll, I'll say right now, unless we see, I want to say five straight movies that didn't make their budget back, the MCU is gonna be fine. Yeah. All right. 
Thank you for listening. Be sure to do all the things, that like, share, subscribe. I always feel weird saying it, but again, content creator online, I gotta say it, it actually does have an impact on how our video or our recordings do. So, you know, do all those things, sharing especially, because if more people see it, then we can do more because it will grow more and then we can be even more ambitious. Yeah, and if you're looking for a great place to share us or listen to us on, you can find us on these fine, fine platforms. They are SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TheFiresideAlliance.com. And if you really want to help, go on over to Spotify and rate us, and that should appease the algorithm, whatever that shadowy entity is. As always, this has been Axel Wright. And his show brother, Lord Commander Ulrich. Be sure to tune next time, and as always, stay honorable.